up by like where the screen, like the flap opens up. No, like that's that bar normal. part. That's where mine gets hot too. Well, it's like super hot. Is it bad if it's super hot? No, it just means it's working hard. Okay, good. Because it like burns my fingers to the touch. No. Uh, Nathan, Patrick and I both just found out that you, in our latest snack box, you gave us uh, a Shang-Chi Lego, like a small Shang-Chi Lego set. And I just wanted to say thank you. I'm sorry I didn't look harder at those snacks, but what a delightful find. Thanks, man. Thank you, Nathan. All right. KJ's box uh, was lost for a long time, so. It, that's true. It, it was lost for a long time. Um, let's do the food now. Where's the here? You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back, everybody, to The John Chi Show. Um, Been a while. Another an extra week, <laughs> been an extra week, and I've completely forgotten what I say when I usually roll into these things. But uh, I do remember that my name is Patrick, and I am joined by one of my fellow co-hosts. KJ Relke is in the building today. Nathan Nowak is out of the office. Yeah, <laughs> he's on a trip. I don't remember where. Yeah, I don't either. On a we trip from life, been asked, but on a trip from life, apparently, because KJ RIP'd him. <laughs> but um yeah i he told us where he was going something did We're he i don't know if he's being a dad if he's doing a work thing if he's just like running con now i don't know if he's like running for governor of colorado is that what's it might happening? be a combination of all four yeah maybe i'd be into it nathan you can yell at us when you hear this <laughs> <laughs> just send us a, do. send us a big old voice memo and we'll play it on the air that's perfect. That would be great content for the next solo episode. <laughs> um, okay. Just but. call in. Wait, that's on. That's for, we'll save that for the plugs. Because um, I don't know if anybody's going to call in during the show. Maybe. Maybe they will. That would be amazing. What if they just did and left a long voicemail where they react to everything that they hear us saying in real time? I wish they would, because then we could do an episode where we react to their reactions. Nope. Very nope. Inception. That sounds terrible. Very Tenet. Um, <laughs> anyways, we are two-thirds of the John Chi Show. And KJ, what does John Chi mean for all of our new listeners who are joining us? John Chi is a Korean word, which means to feast or celebrate. Uh, probably to feast. I don't know. I keep going back and forth on that. I think it means to feast. The celebration is implied, but uh, we use it. We call ourselves John Chi Show because we're here to celebrate our Korean adopted heritage I don't know, just all the intersectional identities that make us who we are. And also, we eat food at the end of the show. Uh, but in honor of Nathan's <laughs> not being here, we're probably not going to do that in this one. Or maybe we will. I don't know. We'll see where the wind takes us. We, we haven't decided yet. Yeah, we I don't think know. it's a game time decision. I, I it's think a it game is. time decision. <laughs> Set it up and hit it out of the park. Yeah. I'll take a drink great. of water. All right. So while Patrick is taking a drink of water and we're finding our feet, our podcasting legs, as as one might say, um, it's really it's been it's one of those things where so we took this month long break and I'm like, do we come back too soon? But <laughs> I don't think it's been that. It's just it's just been kind of an unfortunate amount of life happening that's been yes. making honestly just making it kind of hard to to schedule things and do the things and. Yeah, so slowly we're inching closer to the big century 
of episode numbers. I don't or even know what episode our number first this is. season was ninety four episodes, and then this this is and then we, <laughs> episode one of season two. Or this is bonus episode number seven before we launch into season two. Ex- oh yeah, exactly. We got a few bonus episodes. Forgot about those. <laughs> it's fine. They weren't that important. I didn't yeah, pour my heart true. and soul into them. It's fine. I liked your. I, I think a lot of people liked your bonus episode. A lot of people. You poured to your it. heart and soul into your bonus episode, but well, not that important. Every, every time Don't I'm go just back by myself, it. it is heart and soul. <laughs> Shout out, Jeff Frederick. All right. Nathan is very happy he's not here right now. <laughs> Nathan is rolling his eyes so hard. He's like, oh, guys, he totally is. Get, get to the point. What Were is he? the point, Patrick? We're easing back into it, I think, is the point. Um, yeah, I said we're, f- we're finding our podcasting legs. Shiver right. me timbers, batting down the hatches. It's podcasting time. Ahoy. Is that one? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, okay, anyways, I don't know. The point is that generally we would talk about things that we probably could relate to adoption in some sort of way. Uh, or potentially, I guess, being Korean, Korean-American, finding our... Finding our legs in that arena, which I feel like I've been doing a lot of lately. Um, So something that I was privileged to just recently take a part in. I was in D.C. again for the second time in a month, which in itself is a privilege, I guess, to be traveling around in this time of varying diseases, (laughs) um, which are not great. Um, I was in D.C. for the Korean American Grassroots Conference because I was invited to speak about the Adoptee Citizenship Act, which I felt was a very big honor and privilege, and I was very grateful to be able to do that. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was... the Initially, it was really... It wasn't awkward, but I... Somebody asked me this while I was there, another adoptee, but they asked me if I had ever been in a room with this many just Korean or Korean American people. And I was at first like, yes. But then I was like, actually, I don't think so. Because when we were in L.A. in K-Town, um, I don't feel like we were ever just with a bunch of just Korean people who were all at the same event uh, or Korean American people, non-adopted. For that- wait, how many people how many people were at this event? Uh, that's a great question. So I would say 60, 70, maybe 80. Well, at the gala, I would say like closer to a hundred, but, um, at just for the conference part that I was a part of, uh, I would say anywhere from 50 to 70. Okay. And then you were not, you didn't go to Kafla, right? No, no. Oh, yeah. You photoshopped so, yourself yes, into that business. I photoshopped myself okay. yeah, into yeah, yeah. the awards ceremony. Yes, <laughs> you were that there in spirit, true. but not in person. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because I was going to say, like, Kaflo was a the Kaflo Gala was a big event, and Great so point. probably, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably undershooting it because the tables make it spread out. But no, I mean, there were probably like five hundred, three to five hundred people, which I I realize is a large okay. range, but the tables make it. You know, so, and that was Korean Americans, and so yeah, that was a that's, that's a, a good point. Event. But yeah, well, I'm because, curious, what was your experience being in that space like that? Sure. So, uh, so I I really at first I was like, it took a second to get used to, or it was like feeling yeah. comfortable. But you know, after all of this stuff and work that's happened and gone on over the last three months now, I guess I'd say, um, 
I felt like I adjusted a lot more quickly and I felt like I, so when, um, the executive director, director Kim, and I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on his first name and I apologize when he spoke and gave opening remarks, um, he spoke mostly in Korean. And I think even maybe six months or maybe not six months ago, maybe a year ago, even I would have probably felt a little uncomfortable and felt like I'm just not understanding what was going on. And while at that moment, I also did not necessarily understand what was going on. I didn't feel that (laughs) discomfort. I felt like I belonged in this, in this space. And I felt like the pride that comes with, you know, like finally identifying, I think is Korean American and feeling comfortable in that. I felt like I was really proud to be, be able to sit there and, and be a part of that. Yeah, that's cool. I remember that same thing being a Kafla. Most of the programming was in Korean. And then like the color, it was, so it was co-hosted by two MCs and the color commentator spoke in <laughs> English. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I was like inferring what was happening from like these half sentences about something that was just said. And I was like, oh goodness, this is a lot. I was also going to say a year ago when we started the show, but it, it's been two years now. So we were still midway in the show we were in la not that long ago right no it's coming up i think it was like the so, end of august last year so we're yeah, close wild honestly july feels like it was it was yesterday it was july 1st like i woke up this morning i was like damn it's already august wild oh really i yeah. feel like july was three months ago oh so you're past know, it. it was like a no it was like it was just super super long i feel like it was like a, a, a triple oh, okay XL that makes sense that makes month. sense so well why yeah. why are you feeling like it was going so long bro i just had a lot of work a lot of boring work stuff that made it long <laughs> so sure. we don't have to get into it on the podcast right. we, we can get into it in our friend cast and our we friend call cast. Our text chain yeah which Actually, you are not pretty to listener our text chain is called feasty boys it that's is called feasty fun. boys <laughs> been the almost the entire time that we've had a text chain that's not true it was called the john chi boys for a while i feel like probably the majority of the I, existence when of the I text when chain. I discovered Feasty Boys, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is it." <laughs> was that an episode reference? Did we say that in, the ep- so. in an episode once? I mean, probably we did, but yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about your time at the Korean American Grassroots Association oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of America. Uh, yeah. So, um, feeling comfortable that was really great. Um, the conversation that I was a part of was with Joy Alessi. She is a Korean adoptee who was an impacted community member until about two years ago when she Mm. finally received her citizenship. And I had the privilege of, it was just a conversation between us two, which was our presentation, and getting to hear more about her story and going through that entire process. And she's also been... um, advocating for this issue for a long time for at least i think the last six years officially um and so it was really cool to be able to have that conversation in front of this crowd of people there were a few korean adoptees there but most people were just korean american or allies in some sense and the coolest part about it i thought was is that so the whole purpose of this gala is to help or this gala this organization is to um, help educate people on getting politically active. Yeah. And so like bridging the grassroots to the, like to the capital essentially, um, in politics. And so, um, 
the 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 majority of the attendees were actually younger kids i'll say so um either in high school or in college who were interested about in getting active politically and uh participating in stuff like that and so it was really cool to have this conversation and to like look out in the crowd and look at their faces and see how just intently that they were paying attention and then mm-hmm. they asked some really really great questions um I'm kind of blanking on what the questions are. I should have came more prepared. But um, I just remember, like, we went a little bit over time on our conversation for the Q&A part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then when we got to the Q&A, we ended up running over on time on that because people had so many questions. Um, so that was probably the highlight for me was just getting reaffirmed in the hope for the future, especially in a time where we are currently feeling hopeless a lot of times. Um, just being able to have these conversations and connect with some of these kids and see how excited they are about doing this work and making thing, making the change that we're hoping to see, uh, was really, that was probably my favorite part overall. I don't know if that's that's what I was leading into talking about, but (laughs) that's where I ended up. No, I mean, yeah, I think it's cool. Um, if you want to search for it, it's kagc.us or you can just Google Korean American grassroots conference. Um, they have a good website that is in English, <laughs> which is helpful. Uh, there's also a Korean section. Um, I don't know. Sometimes you go to Korean American resources and it's still mostly in Korean. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Right. Um, but it's in English and you can translate it in Korean if you just want to have a look around. I mean, it's it looks like it's a generally a good good website. And it's interesting too. Like, I don't know, just as I think about who I am, <laughs> this is the, the, the philosophy, I guess, section of the podcast. Um, as I think about who I am as a political person, I, it's interesting to see like, this is the, the topics that are important to Korean Americans in Mm. the civil discussion in the civil sphere, civic sphere. Um, and so, yeah, I was just like, that's not a thing. I don't know. I'm still kind of wrestling broadly with like being a person of color, but I think politically wrestling with that is kind of my next step. And so seeing something that is hyper-specific and even bearing in mind like what we said last time about Asian American identity being something you can opt into. Mm. Like this is, to me, um, I, sorry, work email. Um, to me, <laughs> it's like, it feels like a a thing that you could step, it's both a step in and a step out maybe. I don't know, having done literally no, no looking sure. at it. Um, but it's just like, oh, this is like, it is hyper-specific and it is us. But also, like, are the people leading the organization thinking broadly around just like Asian America and person of colorhood in America? Or is it specifically like Korean interests and like South Korean international relationships, those kinds of things? So I don't know. It's just like it's an interesting thing um, that I'm excited to look into. Um, so, yeah, and I, I think it's really cool that you were able to go there something that I that I think we hear a lot with other Korean Americans is like, oh man, I mean, I know adoptees, but like I've just never thought about them having a story, which is really disheartening. I think, not that they say it like that, but basically that's what they're saying. Right. And um, so it's like, on on the one hand, it's like disheartening, but on, on the other hand, it's a fun, fun, quote unquote, privilege uh, to like say your piece of it and like add to that mosaic that is Korean Americanness. Sure. It just felt, it really felt like kind of a, another full circle moment. I think I've probably mentioned a hundred of those now by by, by episode 95, but, um, 
yeah, just to feel, honestly, just to feel that comfort sitting there, even for the opening remarks was a powerful thing. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about that, honestly, and just in here and, and all my other stuff, but just finding my way to self-acceptance has been such a struggle, I think. And just whatever happened in May happened that helped me alleviate a lot of that. Uh, it felt powerful because it felt like I've heard a lot from people who are like, your words matter. But for the first time, like for finally now, I'm finally able to say that about, I'm like, okay, my word, like actually believe that, you know, mm, I think yeah. that's, that was a powerful like self-affirmation uh, just to feel that. And then to be sitting on the stage with joy, having this conversation in front of all these people and feel like, oh, you belong here, you know, mm-hmm. um, that was, that was a good feeling to feel for sure. Absolutely. Well, and I think the moment that you are able to make that a part of your own narrative, as opposed to something that you receive graciously, but a part of like when it becomes part of the rhetoric of how you affirm yourself, I think that that is uh, pretty transformative, honestly. And I think like that's a a grace that takes practice to give yourself to say like your words matter and have distinct meaning for me. Um, similarly, it's like your words may not matter to everyone, but they matter for one person. And that one person is reason enough to speak up, you know, like that was like the way that I had to get there for me. Um, uh, even like, cause I, you know, I, I live in this weird space of being creative and being a whatever. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I hope that all the listeners could hear the intense snark in my voice, but and the intense um, hand movements that you were also making, which I yeah. enjoyed. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but it was like, it was one of those things I'm like, I recognize that I am like good enough, but not like, not so good that I would ever have like, I'd never be like an A-list celebrity. Right. Sure. Um, and so sometimes, especially when you have like that comparison, you're like, Oh, well, what's even the point of trying? And yet, um, there are so many people who like, if you write a song or you write a book or whatever, uh, speak up and use your voice and your story in some way, it can be life-changing for one person. And like that, who knows what the butterfly effect of that one person's life being changed is. And like for that reason, it's reason enough to speak up. It's reason enough to share your story. It's a reason enough to practice in front of other people so that when that time comes, you're ready for it, you know? So, and I'm I'm really excited that you have like found kind of that self-affirming creed for yourself. A hundred percent. I think that for ever since I started really getting publicly or more public facing with my own story on Instagram, especially, um, I've all like, I've gotten those messages, you know, like I said, and it, it was like, they were saying thank you or whatever the case might be in the, in those messages and taking so long to come around to that myself. But I think always, always understanding that this is why I continue to do that type of stuff, especially one of the reasons I made the pivot to being pretty LinkedIn heavy, which, which side of which side, uh, bar on that has helped immensely with my job just to do that and share my story publicly. There has helped with my career professionally, but I wanted to make that pivot because I was like, I want to share my story wider to a different audience, not Mm -hmm. necessarily with the idea of connecting with adoptees in mind, but always I think that the underlying goal is to connect with other adoptees in this way. And it's been really, really 
empowering to see so many or to have connected now with so many adoptees through LinkedIn, a place that you would not necessarily think, oh, this is where you're going to find community in this way. But because I've basically do exact, well, I post all my LinkedIn stuff on Instagram now. So my uh, people who follow me there can see that. But um, like just taking, just continuing to be not necessarily vulnerable, but personally open with my own story um, on a platform like that does pay dividends to that one person because I've had a number of one people, one person's come up to me or connect with me and, and have that conversation and share. He's had ones of those persons. Stories, those ones of persons <laughs> to, to come up. Um, yeah, so it's a really, it is like, it, it's a really powerful thing to just, uh, to remind, be able to remind yourself that what you share does matter as long as it's not like hateful or anything, but obviously that's implied. But what you do end up I mean, sharing I would argue or that can even share. that matters. <laughs> Your hatefulness that matters too. That so, is very true. You know, that is very chill true. Chill out with that. But it, but it can have, you know, a transformative effect on someone's life um, for the better. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think too, like, I love that you're sharing your perspective on LinkedIn because like, as a, like adoptees never stop being adoptees. Like we right. bring ourselves into every sphere and for you to just pop up in like this sphere that no one expects to really talk about their adoption in, like, cause why does it matter? And just be like, yo, I'm adopted. And actually this is how it does matter and how it does affect the way that I live my life and how it does affect the way that I think about certain things it can be really like you're so open handed with your story. And like, that's, that's always been a, a, a heart of like our show is for the three of us to like, to encourage other people to use their voices in unexpected ways and unexpected platforms. Because like, yeah, like you never know who's adopted. And sometimes like it just takes seeing one other person to right. make an adoptee feel a little more comfortable in their skin about their own thing or to help them realize like, you know, whatever it is about themselves. But like just having that community is just like nice. And to, have that community you know like even if you're like hey I'm, I'm thinking about this project or you know whatever in the back of my mind and i've connected with this other person professionally who is also an adoptee mm. and they have the particular combination of skills and background that i want to collaborate with them to create something who knows what the something is you know right. it could be a quilt uh <laughs> but <laughs> whatever whatever that is like it's but it's because of those extras that brings us together in a unique way that brings us together and helps us build a more robust, diverse, and like overall, I think wonderful community uh, just by popping up in random places. And so uh, that's always been a through line for our show is like, we, we want to keep talking and really we're essentially the podcast is us practicing talking publicly right? so that other people can be like, Oh yeah, it's okay. Like we can figure this out together and we can have these things so that like, we're all ready to talk when the time comes or if the time comes that our stories like change someone's life and help like push the needle forward in some way, whether it's personally or professionally or socially or politically or, you know, whatever. So, so speaking of that and like speaking about, on the show specifically using it to find our voices and share those different types of stories. I was wondering, and I wanted to ask you, um, cause we mentioned our bonus episodes at the top of the show. Uh, mm. ever since your episode has come out, like I said, a lot of people listen to it. I really enjoyed it. I, I like, I really like listening to Haley. I really like listening to Zach. I can listen to that dude talk all day. Former guest oh, of the yeah. show. I mean, they're both um, brilliant. So, oh yeah. Was, I was just like, literal thank goodness scholars. for you two. Cause I'm literally just here to make jokes, I guess, and facilitate a literal, conversation. Literal <laughs> scholars. But, um, 
I think it was, I was glad that you did that episode because I think it's really important to have that conversation. We don't talk a lot about Christianity and religion specifically mm. on the show, unless honestly, unless you facilitate that type type of discussion. Mm. Um, it's just, I, I just feel like it's not a topic that we've touched on a lot, but you guys got into it on that episode. I was wondering what has been the reception that you've seen come out of that episode and have you felt has have any of the things that you talked about evolved at all even in that short time since that episode came out are you still kind of sitting with uh everything that you guys discussed um i think so like not a ton of people have like reached out to me per se mm. um about the episode and, and things and and that's that's totally fine it was uh is more just to like it's kind of a sit and think episode, sure. you know, For um, sure. just because it, it does get super brainy and whatever. But I think so, like my hope with that episode was to just talk about Christianity, like in a broad sense and like represent like because adoptees are so often adopted into religious families and into specifically Christian families. And then within that like common narrative, there's like a huge amount of diversity in an adoptee's relationship to Christianity and broadly to religion or to the divine or, you know, whatever. And so I think what comes out of that is you have some adoptees who really love being Christian, some adoptees who like can't stand it and then everything in between. And there's uh, an amount of trauma that can exist or joy that can exist. You know, it's like, it's just kind of all of it. And I guess what I wanted to happen was like, um, to be able to present like it is a rough time and also it can be a good time. And for those who have had a rough time, like, but don't feel like they can leave the particular structure of belief, there is hope and there's like a different way. So you don't have to totally reinvent yourself to, in order to, to continue engaging in spirituality in a way that also makes sense broadly for being an American, right? At sure. the same time, after the fact, I have been wrestling with what it means to be Christian in America. Um, and like where I see Christianity going, it's funny, like I'm working for, uh, which is something I never thought, I never thought I would work from the church that I grew up in, but it's essentially just a conservative white evangelical church while also being a mainline denomination. So it's like the church in and of itself is just this microcosm of identity <laughs> crisis. Uh, and I'm just like stuck in the middle of it going through my own identity crisis. Uh, and then I also work for hilariously another Christian organization um, that is trying to challenge the church to be better. But mm. I don't know that anyone has ever had like very uh, concise, pointed conversation about what a better church looks like. Everyone just kind of knows it needs to be better, but I don't know that everyone's like ever stated, this is what my vision is and we're going to push towards that goal. So it's a, it's a weird thing of like, it's just real easy to let these things not, like to not talk about these things, you know? Sure. And I just wanted to provide some language and some space for people to begin to think about and begin to find the language to talk about those things. Um, so for me personally, what that's looked like in the, in the last, last uh, six weeks or eight weeks or how long it's been has been like um, a decentering of Christianity and trying to fit it back into just all of the other world religions from mm. Islam to Hinduism to Buddhism to, you know, all like just the major world religions 
and just set it just feel like it is equal to those things because it's easy for me to be like uh christianity and just like for me to like put it on this pedestal of like rage and anti whatever because i have all of this history with it and i've actually had to come through that into just like putting it back down and on an even playing field with everyone so that i can just be like oh it's fine it's just like you're just broadly religious you're like you putting know? it in the proper context of everything right. yeah because i i used it used to be like christianity is the only way and then sure. i was like oh my god christianity is literally <laughs> the worst like it was like however high i had it in my young life, I then put it that far equidistant that far below. And I was like, this is awful. And now I'm just like, you know, I'm just trying to level it out. And so that's the, that's what I've been wrestling with and trying to, to think through. And really that's come out in, in relationships because I'm like, well, if you're really earnest about your faith, like if I met a super earnest Muslim, I'd be like, great, that's wonderful. I love that for you. But if I meet like a super earnest Christian, I have, to, I still sometimes have to work a bit like, to stop my gag reflex or stop my eye roll or stop my, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, that's, that is me being rude. I need to have the same excitement for a Hindu, for a Muslim, for a Christian, for a Sikh, for uh, whomever, you know, uh, maybe not a Scientologist. I was going to say Scientologist. Maybe not them. I don't know. Whatever. It's not a religion. It's a cult. It's fine. It's a different thing. (laughs) How does it feel to be like navigating in that gray space? I feel like that's what we've been doing for a long time on the show specifically. And for each of us, you know, we add these different layers, um, especially coming off the heels of this conversation and obviously thinking a little bit differently or much more differently about it. Like, how are, are you doing okay operating in this space? Uh, well, I'm reading a lot of philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> so because you're doing great. <laughs> I, so actually, it's pretty interesting. So I had, um, I had dinner with a previous guest of the show, Beth Perkins, back when mm. we lived in Springfield together. And they're not religious. And her husband asked me just about like being Christian and whatever. Um, and I think I was like on the cusp of this because that was like still in our show. And like she, like we connected through our show, you know, whatever. So right. I was like definitely in in that, like, but in that kind of like Christianity is the worst, I think, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe it was on the way down for me. <laughs> but he was just like, I think he, if I remember correctly, he's an atheist and he, but he's like just very interested in why people like religion and, sure. and they have a, um, a child. And so I was talking to them about like, well, how do you like, we got talking about like the afterlife and some of those things. And I realized in that conversation that like without Christianity, I would have no framework for being a good person. Mm. Like just no idea, any sense of ethics or any of that kind of stuff like metaphysics doesn't really matter as much to me because i'm like i don't really care necessarily if there's a god but like we should all try to be good people right but like without a god how why are you a good person and what's the compelling thing for that fortunately the good place was running and was on netflix and so i just like watched that again and i was like all right i really got to think about this because they i mean they talk about like the afterlife but there's no sense of like god per se and so I was like thinking about that. And then uh, then Mike Sure out of that, The Good Place, wrote a philosophy book. So I listened to that um, about a month or two ago, uh, maybe less than that. And now, <laughs> hilariously, this is really funny. So my sister-in-law bought me a book called What Would Marx Do? Um, and it's a, it's a philosophical book aimed at general audiences written mm. by an English philosopher. Um, and it's really, it's, it's just kind of the same thing of like moral ethics. Like, for example, um, what, is it wrong to be addicted to Facebook 
or uh, I think eating meat is bad. Shouldn't everyone else like those kinds of things? And now sure. we're getting into like equality and whatever. So it is it, like just kind of wrestling with politically and ethically and whatever. Like, what is my own internal reason for being a good person? For being how I want to be outside of a divine framework? And then as those things separate, how then do I want to re-enter into conversations about? spirituality and the divine and those things and i think by separating those things i'm able to come back to spirituality more graciously than just being like christians are the worst or you know like i mean i'm sure there's good ones but man you know whatever just being all worked up about it well it seems like it's kind of like a like finding your way you you step out of it deconstruct in order to protect yourself as you re-enter those things from i guess our specific lens i don't know am i am i off base there i guess just trying to kind of process everything that you're talking about here it's certainly a new lens like i i think that's the thing is like we just realize like part of our journey and i say our specifically for the three of us on the show, part of our journey has just been like, oh shit, we're people of color. What does that mean? Like, oh, we're Korean. What does that mean? You know, to differing mm-hmm. degrees and those kinds of things. And so I think as we re-examine ourselves and as we re-examine like, what does it mean to be married mm. in what is now suddenly an interracial marriage where previously we might not have thought about it? Or like, sure. what does it mean to, you know, for me even, it's like, what does it mean for me to be speaking in Spanish to somebody else uh, here in Texas being a person, you know, whatever. Like, so like as we re-examine kind of all of our things, then spirituality may come up. And I think like for you and for Nathan, y'all had already gone through a, your own kind of spiritual reckoning. Um, but because I'm like, I was more entrenched in it. I had like sure. further to come back to untangle and like more gravity pulling me back into like, to come back into spirituality. Whereas for a lot of people, I think that there's like, um, there's no desire for them to go back to Christianity or really to any type of divine recognition and adoration or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. That's interesting. I wonder if that changes with age. I'm assuming it does probably. Do you feel like people step in and out in that way? Or do you think when people step out, it's more of like, I'll never step back in again because of certain ways that like you've talked about, you've touched on. Yeah, I think there's like, especially if somebody steps out due to trauma, like the chance of them going back in, like, why would you put yourself through that again? (laughs) Like, yeah, totally makes sense. But I think if you, if you generally have a neutral to good to like, not that bad relationship with any type of religious, like institutional religion or anything like that, um, and then you just kind of like, quote, fall away, then essentially there there rises within you even if you're not verbalizing it um a like a, a question of worthiness is it worth it to go back into this like it's not like it doesn't necessarily make me a better person and it's not making me a worse person and so i think at that point then it just comes back to do i experience things in my life that i can't explain and do i feel a need to try to explain those things and then is a religious interpretation of higher power like metaphysics essentially the Mm. way to do that or do i just go into philosophical metaphysics or you know like all sorts of things and so again it's just like is it worth it and i think for a lot of people who are falling quote unquote falling away from religion or you know whatever um the answer is no it's not worth it and for a lot of people who are in their religions the answer is of course it's worth it and so like that's part of my thing is like even while i'm wrestling with this question of worthiness i'm helping to christian organizations 
try to answer that question in a way that would like create conversion, but hopefully in a way that like does it without like erasing people without being terrible, like inadvertently terrible human right. beings or like thinking through things logically that just end up causing a lot more harm down the road than not. And you know, whatever. So, yeah. I feel like that's a lot of responsibility, even though it's not your personal responsibility to do that for these organizations. I feel like, I don't know. I would it, argue it's, it's, it's only lot, my though. personal responsibility. Like no, no one is expecting okay. that of me. It's just that's a true. thing that I put on myself. Sure. So, and I mean, I think that at the end of the day, that's the tough, uncomfortable decision that all of us have to make in those types of spaces, not even religious spaces, but any spaces that we're hoping to disrupt the cause of harm that's been continued and perpetuated for a long time within these types of institutions. And I would say that I commend you for, you know, t- even taking the small step of just like trying to do the little things to break that up and disrupt Yeah. That. Appreciate it. It's just like, you know, it's one of those things. And I think like this journey mirrors a lot of journeys that we take, uh, whether, I mean, it could be with the institution of marriage, with the institution of family, with the institution of education or, or whatever. And so for adoptees, there is always the question of worthiness, right? Like when right. we talk about birth searches, it's like, well, is it worth it? When we talk about like uh, for a lot of adoptees who are separated from their adoptive families, then like, well, why'd you go ever go back? And like, it's not worth it. No, either because there's trauma or I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, it's, we're different people and that's, that's where we are. You know, like for me, education, like the institution of education, like not worth it. I graduated, I'm done, never going back. Not a thing right. I ever want to do, you know? Um, but I, I think like for me, it's a, it's a unique privilege to talk about something like this. And I think that it's because it's a, such a hot button issue and something that so many of us experience, especially just being in America, like that Christianity is kind of inescapable. Um, it's like a way to help maybe provide like just a mental model, not even the best mental model or a good mental model, but just a mental model for how to sure. wrestle with these kinds of things. Because I'm sure some people who are listening are like, yeah, I'm like kind of on the outs with my family or like I'm kind of on the outs with like being Korean, even though I'm a Korean adoptee, like you were when we first started the show. Like, I don't really care for that, you know, Um, but it's still that same question of worthiness and trauma and all those kinds of things. Yeah, it makes me think of when you're talking about worthiness, I think about or in these specific examples like, is this particular thing worth my time? I'm also thinking about, like, is there also this layer of self-worth that we're thinking about that underlays even that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially from just the adoptee lens of just, like, I don't want to search for my family because it's not, one, not worth my time, but really because I don't think I'm worthy of finding them or finding any of the answers, I guess. Maybe. I, yeah, I think there, there, there definitely can be that sense of, like, they already gave me up. So I have this innate unworthiness, but I think the opposite is true too. And I think you've already experienced this, which is why I'm so like excited for you because like (laughs) uh, on some level you're like, is learning Korean worth it? Yes. Is it like worth it to try super hard at it? No. Sure. (laughs) Right. Like, and you, (laughs) but you've made your peace with that. And so then when you're at this event, when you're at Korean American grassroots conference, you're like, I've made my peace with it. And my self-worth actually isn't wrapped up in whether or not I can speak Korean because I've already, I've, I've made those choices. And like, I'm able to be like, no, the worthiness factor has already been answered for me. And like, I am at peace with myself because of that decision. Like in that sense of like unity within the self holding, like 
pluralistic identities and values and things like i think that that type that type of balance is very eastern and like very um like that's actually in some ways like <laughs> deeply korean or deeply just like asian or or whatever but like that's a thing that is like a wholeness within oneself is something to be commended and something to be praised and so yeah so there is like the is it worth it to find my family N- no, but also the underlying, like, I don't know, like maybe I feel less than for not knowing my birth family. Right. And the opposite is true too, where you feel like, no, actually I know who I am with or without my birth family. And so if I meet them, that's wonderful. And if I don't meet them, that's okay too, because I like have this worthiness answered for myself. And I hope that that's like anytime, this is what we talked about last time. Anytime we, I hear an adoptee begin to speak those words to themselves, begin to affirm right. their own worth to themselves in whatever sphere, that is something to be celebrated. And that's something that honestly, not a lot of people have, like they don't take that journey anyways, you know? Sure. But for adoptees, sometimes it's kind of thrust upon us and we're like, well, I don't really want to go on this journey. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I definitely recognize the privilege in being able to get to this point. And also, um, I don't know. I just lost what I was going to say, but I appreciate you saying all that. And I, Oh, I remember, I think that it's, uh, I honestly, I think it's a testament to your ability to just like actively listen and to pay attention to, and really see people, um, for you to pick up on when, like in the last episode, I started to use that language and it was really, it was conscious. And I talked about it in that episode about it being a conscious decision, but like, in the moment, I was using it a little bit unconsciously, not necessarily referring to it as me using new language and utilizing it. But for you to like pick up on that and pick up on that with other people, I think is a really powerful gift and something that not a lot of us have. Um, and so for you to see those things, uh, I think is really incredible. And I appreciate it because it makes me feel seen. And I know that you're making other people feel seen too. So. Hooray! Yeah, that was a compliment for you. I don't know. Yay! I don't know. I turned a, a, an anecdote into a compliment for KJ, but I did. No, go away. Stop. Make Yay. it. Make it stop. All right, whatever. Well, did I, I just like applaud had... myself? That feels gross. Nah, it's fine. We'll leave it in. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we've had a good conversation. Did you want to do a food? I mean, are uh, you still, or is there more conversation to be had? No, I. I mean, there's always more conversation to be had. But I think very true. I will say, given all this talk around especially around like using language and trying things out and the importance of using your voice and telling your story i just wanted to like say like our show obviously does not depend on this we have had 95 episodes with only one call but one of the reasons i felt like it was important to introduce the phone call was so that people could try out language Mm. essentially and like and not feel committed to like oh i have to come on the show and do this whole thing you know whatever but just be like i don't know i've been thinking about this thing is that you know whatever or maybe people probably people don't think like me because i'm i'm a level that disgusts myself but uh <laughs> you say did you just say the level of thinking you do disgust you <laughs> yes like sometimes if, sometimes if i step back and just examine who i am i'm just like ugh, this person gross i get like that. if 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 i described my, like if sarah were to describe me to me but like abstracted away i'd just be like i don't want to hang out with that loser whatever <laughs> i get that uh, but if you you're, you know, if you're a loser like me and you think like this, uh, then maybe call in and try some language out. And that's that's one of the reasons that I wanted to, to offer that because I think it's just like a, I ah, just a random question. I just thought I'd drop you a line, whatever. No, I appreciate that. And I don't think, I think we might, you might have said that when we first did the, the voicemail, but I don't think you've elaborated on it like that. And I think hopefully that'll encourage more people to feel 
comfortable enough to sit in the discomfort of asking these questions anonymously on the phone, unless you want to drop your name and then we'll put your name out there. Yeah, but unless you, you drop anonymous. your name and then you decide that you're not about that. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. You're not do with your identity what you will. That's the whole point of the John Shee show. That's the whole point. That's the new tagline. Do with your identity what you will. Yay. I yeah, let's like do a food. It. That sounds fun. All right, let's do one. All right. Welcome back to the food eating portion of the show. Uh, I don't have Nathan here to do his like silly whatever he calls food time, but it's food time. I mean, he says it different every single time. That's, the, that's one of my favorite things about Nathan. Is <laughs> what is he going to say when we go into the food portion? Sidebar, I don't remember if I told a story. If we did, we'll just have to cut it out. But um, when I, I met up with Jennifer for, I don't know, something, and after she had met Nathan, and she was like, He's super outgoing. He like doesn't talk that much on the show, but he's like really outgoing, like incredibly extroverted. And I was like, yeah, that is true. And I think that like that also kind of blew me away because like, you know, we just only knew each other online. And then like we met in person. He's like, he's like going around and mingling and doing the thing. I was like, I thought you were more introverted than that, but I guess not. So. No, we just talk over him the entire time. Sorry. <laughs> I think Nathan is just like, I'll say some things, make a few dad jokes, but I'm just here for the food. I think I've literally heard him say that exact thing before. <laughs> Make some dad Nathan jokes. doesn't like us that much. Well, he definitely doesn't like when we sing that much. I think that's something that... <laughs> that actually deserved a, a repeat. He doesn't like when we up. sing or the... <laughs> that's very Amazing. true. Okay, so uh, Patrick, what are we eating today? We are eating black candy. And before you ask me to read the Hangul... Or what looks to be also Japanese? Uh, it's probably Chinese. Chinese. Mandarin or candies of some sort? Uh, it just says yeah. black candy. And I do not know what the Hangul says. Is that Hangul what it says? says Huxa Tang. Huxa Tang. I, I don't know. Let me type it into it. Oh, man. I'm going to pull up my Google and type. Uh, oh, where is that vowel? Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, oh goodness okay found it hook sa tongue it oh this stands this says brown candy oh so, interesting is it black is it brown only time oh. will tell i was gonna say open it's it up and i'll look brown. down it looks like a tootsie roll it does look like a tootsie roll it smells like Coffee and yeah, coffee-ish, toffee-ish, toffee-ish, maybe. Bah! I've been into it because I thought it was a tootsie roll. It's not a, it's not a thing to bite into. No, you gotta work it a little bit. Okay. Hard candy. Is it filled in the middle? Mmm. Nope. Ow. It's solid through and through. This tastes like a hard, just like a hard candy that I expect my grandma to give me. Except not yeah. my, not my grandma. Just like. America's grandmother. Like a Werther's original. Mm -hmm. Right out of the jar. <laughs> I don't think it tastes ah. like that. Oh, right. you don't like it? I can't get to the middle. Well, I split mine in half. I think it's got to like a burned part. Maybe. Is it a caramel? I don't know. Sarah! What is this? What is this? This is good, good podcasting. Are you going to give her the one out of your mouth or the other one? Ew, no. <laughs> You what guys are married. Put it in your mouth. Jolly Ranchers? 
No, it's not a <laughs> it's not a Jolly Rancher. It's called Black Candy. Or brown candy. Or brown candy. Yeah, the Korean says brown candy. Oh. There, just put it in your mouth. She's licking it. <laughs> what is it? How many licks does it take? <laughs> How many does it? It's like a Werther's, but like not. Is it, it caramel? Like tapioca. What? Like I don't think it tastes like tapioca. No. The flavor. I disagree. Right. <laughs> Patrick and I disagree vehemently. What do you think it tastes like? I don't know, like caramel or something. Like a like a to- honestly like a toffee. Like we yeah. talked about earlier toffee. But isn't toffee chewy? Yeah. Well, no, it can be hard candy. I don't know. Well, okay. Well, that's that's a thought. Oh, I turned on some lights and they did not help at all. Um <laughs> made it worse to be honest. <laughs> Made it worse. Uh, yeah, there's not much to say. It's a hard candy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's sucking my teeth now. It's large, larger than a hard candy. Yeah, I got, I it, would, got it. Got in my cheeks like a chipmunk. Yeah, I would like to see it maybe split in two. I think it's a little too much, uh-huh. like the size of it. Even though it looks small, but it, because it's so hard. It's like if you pop the whole sucker off of a sucker. Like of a Tootsie Pop? Yeah, like a Tootsie Pop. Mm. Yeah, all right. Like if you like put that f- whole like- thing in your mouth. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. it feels like. Yeah. All right. Well, just, honestly, this is probably a great one because there's not a lot to say. <laughs> I don't know that Nathan. I don't know that Nathan's missing out, but he can go live on our Instagram and you can give go his out hot to takes. literally any CVS <laughs> or corner store and buy and pick up. Extremely similar candy to this. Their distribution is incredible. They've made it into the American market. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I guess I should clarify. Not this specific candy, but very, very similar. I don't even know who it's made. Like, I know nothing about this product because Nathan doesn't have the... He didn't send us the package. He just sent us the thing. And so it just says... He's fiscally responsible with the snacks. Yeah. (laughs) we do on the show because... He's equitable distribution of snacks. Yes. Carl Very Marks much will so. be proud. Thanks. Way to go, buddy. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's jump into ratings. I actually, yeah, I was going to say, you can probably see Nathan's hot take on IG Live or I'll probably like make a whole TikTok about it and put it in the After Party Facebook group. Or so, I hope he makes a whole YouTube about it. Or, That'd yeah, be fun. <laughs> yeah, maybe a whole YouTube about it. So, all right. Yeah, ratings. What do you give it? Uh, I'm going to give it a... What would be in the middle? Three, no, two point seven five. I'm moving it right down the middle. Whatever half of a five, five is. two and a half. You know how it two takes two half. quarters to make fifty. <laughs> Come on, son. Cut that out. Cut <laughs> that out. I'm leaving it in. Um, Amazing. <laughs> two and a half. Two point seven. Two point seven. <laughs> My word. Uh, yeah, two and a half. I think, and I don't get. It's not a bad two and a half. It's like, yeah. it's just right down the middle. I have mm-hmm. no super positive things to say about it. I don't have any super negative things to say about it. I think it's a fine mm-hmm. candy. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's terrible. It's fine. Two and a half. Yeah. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to change the rating system. I'm going to give it a C. Oh, you're going with letter grades. Yeah. Okay. Letter grades. We've upgraded it's like, from numbers to it's letters. It's weighted, so like it. you know? I don't know. I'm giving I get it, it. Yes. A C because it, yeah, exactly. It's exactly what you expect. It is the middle. It's yeah. 
So, because I was thinking, I was like, well, what's the middle? Like two and a half, but two and a half sounds bad. So it does sound C, bad. A C is like, no, no, no. It's, it's exactly what you expect, not in a bad way. It does. It just nothing flashy, nothing incredible. It's just it is what it is. I do kind of have an unrelated question. Who do you think came up with the letter grading system? And what what point do you what was the conversation like where they were like A B C D no E we're going F that's the worst like what do you think that conversation was like I don't know so okay <laughs> you're like all right and that's the show <laughs> no I was just I was kind of like I was kind of thinking through and then I couldn't I decided, tell if you were sarcastically thinking about it or if you were actually no, thinking no, no. about it I'm gonna I, be honest I was, yeah uh, probably so okay in the beginning after God creates the heavens and the earth. Uh, God says, "Hey, Adam and Eve, don't don't eat from this tree." And they were like, "Okay," and that's probably when he created the grading system. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, he he was like, "You know what? You guys are doing great. I check in with you every day. C. It's entirely average. You're having a great time. Wonderful." And then they eat from the tree. You he probably was so disappointed he skipped a few letters to go straight to F. And he was like, "And that's that's when you get kicked out of the garden." So there you go. All right, I did or, forget. I forgot. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Alternatively, maybe there's no E because they got kicked out of Eden. That tracks. I'm right. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> that 100% Goodbye. tracks. You heard it here first. The origin oh, of the ABCDEFG grading system. We did it. Hooray. Trust it. Right. Thank you, new listeners. If you've made it this far, this is what we normally talk about on the show. Um, Except there's also a third person making these dumb jokes with us. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Although we did that improv one time, and um, I felt like he oh, was and he doing was very it, confused. He, was, he didn't realize we were. What was <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, Nathan, remember when we were all there?" And he was like, "No, I don't." And I was like, "Nathan, it's a bit. It's a bit, Nathan. Just it laugh. was worth it. It was worth it. It made it worth it." Okay. Anyways. Um, uh, uh, how do we even end this? I was going to say, yeah, I guess you oh, can I guess, hang out with us, us on social media find? at John Chi show. That's J A N C H I show. Just like our podcast is spelled. Um, you can find us online at John show.com. You can support the show at John show.com slash support. I want to give a special shout out to Alicia Maddie, who has been consistently dropping money into the buy me a coffee. Um, and I, Basically, appreciate her making up her own membership tier. She's like, I just, I want to support the show, and this is how I can support it. And so, Alicia, thank you for what you do. Um, yes, that's actually probably going to be increasingly important because clearly, as we're struggling to release episodes normally, we might need to have <laughs> more support, a lot, an editor. So, um, yeah, oh. if you like hearing the Johnson Show regularly, then please chuck in a buck if you can. Um, but yeah, otherwise support the show, johnchishow.com slash support, hang out with us at johnchishow, send us an email if you want to johnchishow, just like media.com or give us a phone call, practice that language, just that regular English language or your Korean. That's fine. 972-677-8867. You got it. Yes. Got it. Woo! I just realized now that I have a desk, I could sticky note it like you do, like a smart <laughs> boy, but I'm going to say I have it memorized. Um, you can find me at KJ Relke in the world, wherever I want to be found on the internet. You could find Nathan Nowak at N Nowak on, uh, Instagram or just be friends with him on Facebook or hang out with him in the Facebook after party. 
That's true. And you can find me at Patrick at Patrick in the world on Instagram. You can also find me on LinkedIn doing all kinds of things and then putting that He's on He's the Instagram. Asian one. He's the Asian Patrick Armstrong. Yay. Hooray. And I think that's it for us. So hopefully you'll see us next week. Uh, <laughs> no until <promises>. then, <laughs> if not, John Chiheyo! <laughs> <laughs>